Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurship in Developing Markets. I'm again here with my wonderful co-host, Lincoln. Lincoln, how are you doing? Great. Excited to be back and still trying to catch up back from recent travel. So you know how that goes. Yeah, you were um, in Egypt. And where else were you at? Uh, I, I touched down in a few places. Uh, I can claim. I, can, I don't know. Can you claim it when you don't get out of the airport? I don't change planes in Paris. <laughs> Can't claim it. Okay. Well, I should get some kind of remuneration from going through Charles de Gaulle twice, right? Um, every time I go through Charles de Gaulle, I find another American, and I say, "You know, it's a shame. I'm sure the French could have made this just a little more complicated if they had only tried harder." <laughs> Terrible airport. Nobody enjoys it. Uh, I endured it twice. Um, but speaking of airports, the very best, uh, I wrote my kids on our, on our family group and I said, possible contender for best airport outside of Asia is Istanbul, mm. maybe even better than Schiphol. They're, they're doing a nice job there. And Turkish Airlines, of course, is the major anchor. They're also doing a good job. I flew on them and uh, it's always been a positive experience, well-priced and, uh, and uh, they do a nice job. What you enjoy most about that airport there? I've heard wonderful things about I, it and how beautiful it is, but well, share your experience. All the stuff, all the edible things for sale, the Turkish delight and all the nuts and fruits and things that are grown in Turkey. Those are all great. Um, they are thoughtful. Uh, they have some uh, showers that you can pay, I think, 10 or 15 euros, and it's a pretty nice shower. So if you don't have lounge access like I didn't, then um, that's, a, that's a nice touch. Seems to be growing, expanding, uh, lots of retail, but nicely done. And uh, it's well laid out. Um, when you are looking for something kind of off the beaten path, like the showers, uh, I use the information booth, but it's not like the typical information booths where there's the lady sitting on the high chair waiting for you to come and ask your question. Uh, instead, you push a button and the lady appears on video chat. Uh, she's wow. not AI. She's a real lady. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Um, she kind of points, not yet. She kind of points inside her screen that you should go this way or that way, or it's upstairs or downstairs like that. Uh, that's pretty nice. It's useful. And I guess she could, you know, be anywhere in Turkey and, or anywhere in the world doing that job. So that's anyway, impressive. but to answer your question, I, I went to Tunis and to Cairo and to Munich. Munich for a trade show and Tunis and Cairo for the normal stuff that takes me there. Um, and so it was a quick look around the world. How long was your trip? It says it was a quick oh, look around the world. Not, yeah, a couple of days in each country. Uh, one thing that stands out, especially in North Africa, is the uh, high cost to the world of the valuation of the U.S. dollar or devaluation of their currencies as they see it. Mm -hmm. um, it makes uh, life expensive for people there. It makes it affordable for us. This is a, a very affordable time to be going in those countries. Um, but it, in, in countries where subsidies are a big part of the economic program, uh, it's uh, breaking the bank. And to give you an example, uh, I couldn't figure out the Tunisian currency is divided into thousandths instead of cents. Wow. 
Yeah, so you have Malims instead of Sang. And uh, I was buying bread and they were quoting me in Malims. Well, that's already a three to one currency exchange. And then with the Malims, it's infinitesimally small amount of money that you pay for a nice, good baguette. Um, so uh, that's highly subsidized. In Egypt, uh, fuel is just over a dollar a gallon. Uh, so, you know, that's costing Egypt a lot of money to, to maintain that. Um, and as a result, you have economies that are have a lot of distortions in them. Exchange controls and other things that entrepreneurs hate um, that uh, a country has to do once they embark on the subsidy game. So, um, just makes me grateful for Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought anybody. I Did never you... thought anybody would be saying that. <laughs> okay, the infrastructure is better in North Africa, but the economic policy is way behind. Way behind. Uh, Nigeria. I, I met some Nigerian friends in Munich at the show. I chatted with them for a minute and um, congratulated them because fuel subsidies have finally finished in Nigeria. I think like this last month was the end of the fuel subsidy. So now, you know, it's almost a totally market-based economy. Um, what was the reasoning behind the fuel-based subsidies ending, you know, this year? What what pushed, what were some of the factors that pushed that to to be? Uh, affordability. <laughs> think, competition? Yeah, well, competition, right? Yeah. My, my uh, favorite African entrepreneur has finished his um, a refinery now uh, in Lagos. And uh, I, uh, my friend said he was recruiting. So if you're looking for a job at a refinery with the richest man in Africa, go, uh, go sign up. Dangote refineries. Um, I think there's two, two good reasons to end the subsidies uh, for the fuel subsidies in Nigeria. Three. Let's say three. One is you break that phony social contract, which was that we will subsidize your fuel so that you won't protest uh, the fact that we steal most of it. So government would tell you if you protested that they stole so much. Well, you're getting it cheap, so stop complaining. Okay, that deals off the table, so now they have to stop stealing. Um, second, it's uh, a question of affordability and draining the national treasury to uh, subsidize fuel, which we should just let it float. And then uh, third, it's a huge source of corruption and, and dark money because, you know, as you know, where part of Nigeria you're from, uh, black gold is, uh, is a huge corrupting influence. And so mm -hmm. if, if those subsidies aren't there anymore, uh, at least that part of it, the import uh, game uh, stops. Mm. Yeah, so that's... I, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's great news for Nigeria. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out over the next couple of years in terms of economic development. I, I know uh, when things do get hard, maybe there will be bring back, there may be some people that want the subsidies to be brought back, <laughs> of course. Of course, yeah, <laughs> so, sure. 
But I definitely agree with you. You, you can't, the government has used these oil subsidies to, you know, basically be as irresponsible as possible. But while we were, um, while we were discussing just some of the, our thoughts for this episode, one thing that you brought up was um, we were having a conversation about comfort level. Uh, and you were discussing with one of your friends about about this topic. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about this because I'm, I'm, I'm going through that right now. And so <laughs> <laughs> you got yourself out of your comfort zone, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had lunch with uh, an old friend in Tunisia who happened to be in town in Tunis while I was there. And we both started our companies about the same time. Uh, he is way richer than I am. He's done a really good job. Uh, he has several companies that are doing really well. Um, he said, you know, I see a lot of people here that are in a comfort zone. As an immigrant to Tunisia, he didn't have the comfort of a comfort zone. <laughs> he had, it had to work. And so he, he made it work. Uh, I think you might have jumped out of the frying pan and into the fire, giving yourself a, a, a exit from the comfort zone. Yeah. How's that going? Oh man, it's, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it's always been one of those things where, you know, like the, my business that I'm exiting right now, um, you know, was very successful and it, it like allowed me to do a lot of things like travel and go places around the world and meet people. And it was my first true, like successful vent- venture. And it all, after it's been like, after it was built, it honestly didn't require a lot of work because it was software and it was a subscription based business. So I wasn't out there having to like always try to figure out like new sales pipeline. It was growing gradually. Um, but I also realized that one of the big things is I wasn't growing um, personally the way I, the way I wanted. And within, within the current business um, that we were running there, I just didn't really see a way for me to reach my like full potential or where I wanted to see myself. Um, and so one of the, one of the things that I did, was, you know, I jumped, you know, I jumped off the, I jumped off the yacht <laughs> and into the, and into the shark infested water again. <laughs> so, so that's been a journey in itself because now, um, just going through that. Yeah. Like I have some skills that I've developed over, um, the last 12 years of running my own business, but I'm having to relearn new ones or having to strengthen ones that I thought were strong, but you know, now looking back at it, they're not um, as strong as they were. And that's been a process. Like for example, um, learning to record and put out educational content and being the front face of a business before I like, for the most part, I knew how to execute and operationalize and develop the marketing plans, but I was in the, I was in the face. And so that's a whole new, that's a whole new challenge and a whole new, uh, comf- like having to get out of my comfort level. 
like public speaking, those things. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a huge, uh, I've had a lot of growth, but at the same time, jumping into a new venture where you've had a lot of growth doesn't mean that it's going to be reflected on your P&Ls all the time. Personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be the worst of both worlds. You're uncomfortable and broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's been, yeah, that's been my journey so far into just now. I feel like I'm leave, live, living a new chapter in my life a little bit, you know, uh, like, for example, I consider like college, like a chapter of my life that now right. is like so far gone. I, like, I, I, I don't really even know what people do in college anymore. Like my little brother's in college and I'm like, I, I don't even know if we like if we did that in college, and so my right. first venture was a chapter in my life, and now I'm doing a new venture, and I'm doing this new venture with a lot more. I'm responsible for a lot more because I also got married, yeah. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not just uh, oh Donovan, like I could just uh, be this super scrappy bootstrapper. That I used to, sure. that I used to sleep be. on the floor. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? And go to, and just like head off to Serbia <laughs> and be like, you know, right. I don't got to pay like this, you know, $4,000 a month rent. I could just go uh, live somewhere else, put all that cash into the business and, and uh, sure. run it. So it's a, it's a different level of challenge, but also now uh, jumping out of the comfort zone and starting something new. Like I also, I am a lot more prouder of my accomplishments as well because I am now not just doing it for my like doing it for myself as we you know take me and my wife take a look at you know starting a family I'm thinking about those things those things that never ever crossed my mind in terms of how I conduct myself and develop my businesses and like okay where like what do I want from my business that's going to allow me to spend time with my future kids you know that's what I'm starting to think about now not I don't want to be working, you know, 12 hour days. I'm doing that now, but I don't want to be in that role. I don't want to be in that particular role or be working 12 hour days once we have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I came home late Saturday night. The next day was Sunday and Father's Day. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I had three of my four kids home and my wife, of course. Um, yeah, you're all of this uh, experience that you've had and, and so on, these punctuation marks that you had in your life, like the end of college, like the end of your first business, like your marriage, mm-hmm. a big punctuation mark is coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what everybody that's what everybody says. And honestly, you know, it's just taking it. I'm just I'm just taking it in strides. And I think this like we were just talking like it's right now it's pretty rough like trying to um start something new and this is probably the the most technical like in terms of this startup has been the most challenging in, in terms of the amount of information that i've had to learn at one single time uh, and i'm already starting out with a with a baseline level of like pretty good knowledge about the market but it's just another just level of okay this technology stack and what we're building is far beyond what i even imagine myself and i don't even have a background in computer science so i am learning everything on the fly wow that's great 
Yeah. So that should give hope to some people out there who are struggling and doing the same thing, right? Yeah, honestly, um, like your friend said, it's it's a comfort zone thing. Like, I am not great. At, I'm not great at math, which computer science requires. But the one thing uh-huh. that I do possess is the is the ability to just keep chipping away at a problem and reiterating mm-hmm. it in different ways until like I finally figured out I got it. I'm not going to be the fastest to figure it out. <laughs> But I have, yeah. you know, it's, I just have like the stamina to just keep going uh, through through it all. Even if I'm like, you know, on borderline, almost driving myself crazy. And I think anyone that's out there that is like, hey, I want to build a software business, but I'm, I didn't major in computer science or programming. I think honestly, at the end of the day, those like those skills now looking back at it, I, I was like, oh, man, I wish I knew how to program. Those are like the easiest skills, actually. <laughs> right. Those are learn- easy to learn, right? Yeah, those are easy. Pay somebody to teach you those. Yeah, those are easy to learn. The things that really hung that's really hung up my business and things that are really challenging is, you know, customer acquisition, marketing and and mm-hmm. really figuring out how to position your product, you know, even you can build the best product in the world. So, if you're out there and you don't have any tech skills and you want to start a software company, Go ahead and start it, you know, and you'll realize that marketing is the, as long as you have marketing and sales down, everything else, there's a direct correlation between how well you're able to market, uh, market and sell and how much money you make. But there's no, in other skill levels, there's no other like direct correlation. (laughs) Yeah. And I could say the same thing for the solar business. People come up to me after we do our trainings and they say, so where did you get your engineering degree? I'm like, uh, I can't do math at all. University of Google. Political science. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get a degree in economics because I was afraid to take statistics, you know. So I'm uh, not an engineer at all, but you just figure it out. You learn on the, on the fly, like you say. Those are all things that we can learn. Um, if we're willing, and especially these days, it's so easy to learn mm-hmm. so many sources of information. As you were beginning, like your um, your journey and building your solar business, how were you, what were some of the things that you had to push yourself out of your uh, own comfort zone in terms of developing as an entrepreneur? Two kids and a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, desperate. Uh-huh. Uh, I was working out of the house. Um, I had I had quit my my job as a diplomat to go to business school, and then I got a job after that that was a corporate job for Kyocera Solar, and then I quit that. And um, my wife's looking at me, going, "Uh huh," <laughs> <laughs> or it looks like we're going down here, not going up. I had to make it work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I pray a lot and work as hard as you can, and you get blessed with uh, some great customers. And one of the customers that I, that this fellow, that, in fact, the fellow that was telling me about comfort zone, um, I said, you probably don't realize that there was a wing in our house that was named after you. <laughs> he says, what do you mean? I said, well, we had uh, got to the point where we needed an employee. We couldn't work out of the back bedroom anymore. Wife said, "We need to build a, a little addition here and make an office out of it." And this friend of mine came 
along and ordered three containers of solar modules in the days when that was a lot of money. And uh, we made just enough to pay for the addition. So we named it after him. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you get, you get blessed and things work out, but uh, I do think um, that it's, it's, it's not a, I think getting out of the comfort zone is a necessary, but not a sufficient condition. Mm -hmm. So don't just think that we should, we shouldn't have our listeners think that just because they are willing to jump, uh, what did you say? Jump in the, in the water or something? Shark, shark infested water. <laughs> in the shark, in the shark infested water. They, just because they're willing to jump in the shark infested water doesn't mean they're going to be successful. Before you jumped in with the sharks, you should know, learn as much as you can about sharks. You should get a, a you know, spear gun and maybe some armor and I don't know, whatever else you need to fight sharks with. And just, <laughs> be prepared. And, and, and just be no, at least know how to swim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or, you know, you know be, be able to trust, trust God, but do your part. Yeah. yeah. And uh, go ahead. I, I, well, I'm glad we're talking about the comfort zones because uh, the reason one of the reasons I chose I went to Tunisia is because I'll be moving there in a couple of months. And one of the main reasons I'm moving there is because uh, I'm too comfortable in my life. Mm. Um, yeah. My life in Arizona is super easy and uh, and my last born has graduated from high school now. And so uh, my wife and I are, are going back in Africa, but sub-Saharan Africa, we know like the back of our hands. So this is a new challenge, North Africa. So I'm just learning this. I'm, I'm also time. jumping in with the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> He's got, Lincoln, you got some armor though, because you know, you did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that hard. And Tunisia is a wonderful place full of great people. Really uh-huh. great people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a journey. So when is when is this, um, when does this begin for you? Uh, the the end of summer, depending on when our listeners are listening to this, will be the end of end of summer, twenty twenty three. When the, the older kids go back to college. How long you plan on being out there? You don't know yet. Uh, is until we go somewhere else. <laughs> Wow. That's, a, yeah. that's, imp- that's impressive. You know, I think, I think that's one, um, it's one of the things that I admire by you is just the, the sense of, uh, adventure and, um, uh, and this, you know, the stamina, you know, because not many, there's a lot of people who talk about, Hey, you know, I, I want to start a business in Africa or I, um, I, I want to open up something overseas and along the way there's, yeah, there's a lot of adventure that happens, but it just requires a significant amount of stamina and just being uncomfortable for a lot longer. I remember an episode that we recorded, maybe our first couple of episodes, you mentioned, you know, doing business in the development market, whatever timeline that you have for getting to your goals, like you may want to double or triple it. <laughs> Maybe that just applies to me because I'm slow, but yeah, it's been my experience. It takes longer than I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you got like you just saying, all right, well, you know, kids are out. Let me head, let me head back and, you know, start, start a new adventure. That, that is something that most people um, that have had the success that you have have had would not be 
willing to do at this point in time. We'll see. We'll see how it all works out. <laughs> Just like yours, right? You're, uh, it'll be interesting for us to come back and listen to this a year from now or two years from now and see how your venture has gone. Yeah. And I think with jumping out of your comfort zone, there needs to be, there needs to be some faith as well. Um, you can, art, yeah. you can, you can get the best body armor and in the world, um, and study and look at everything, every successful blueprint, but you also still need to maintain faith in yourself or faith in a, um, higher, uh, being whichever one works for you and just continue to push because they're, they're going to be a lot of, a lot of, a lot a lot of days that don't go your way and a lot of days that don't go your way are going to outnumber the days that do go your way, but you only need one day to go your way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that's well said. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't give up. Yeah, just don't give up. But also know when, yeah. to, when to change directions as well. <laughs> yeah. if, a shark, if a shark swims that, towards that doesn't you, mean don't it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't wait. Sure. Don't swim towards the shark and take it out heads out if you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, this about wraps up this episode of entrepreneurship in developing markets. If you love this episode, make sure to go to your favorite podcasting app and leave us a nice five-star review and leave us a comment and we'll love to just get your feedback and we will catch you next time.